Hello, friends. Welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and today I am not joined by Chris Prunty. Today is a little bit different, as we're going to break down the last 12 episodes worth of content and offer it to you all as a dense, bite-sized little chunk. Because let's face it, there's a lot of lore to keep track of when you're world building. This episode will help serve as a brief overview for the entirety of our world thus far, and I encourage anyone to listen to the individual episodes for more in-depth content. So welcome everyone, new and old, to the world of A Thousand Gods. At its core, the Land of a Thousand Gods is a fantasy world where the followers of innumerable petty gods vie for power and control. Gods are the only source of magic in the world and dwell within objects known as god hearts, simple-looking items emblematic of the domain the god rules over. Gods are inherently genderless, sexless, and formless, though their followers often prescribe such traits onto them as they see fit. Multiple gods can also combine together in a ritual known as divine coalescence. The first divine coalescence was a risky political maneuver made between the followers of the god of hunger and the god of the fates. While a successful coalescence results in a far stronger god, such as the god of feasts and famines, the ritual is incredibly risky and the world is haunted and scarred by dead gods of countless failures. While immensely powerful, the gods can be destroyed or bound into the objects used by mortals. The gods have a symbiotic relationship with their followers, as each mortal soul feeds into the divine, and the mortal is given fragments of divine energy in return. This process is known as the God Pact, where mortals bind themselves into service with the god by proving their worth and passing the god's test. Each test is different and attuned to each specific god. Some tests of worth are particularly difficult, while others are passed by all. Once the test is complete, the mortal then signs a god pact binding their soul with the gods, and the god grants the mortal a portion of their power known as a boon. Entering into a god pact also binds the mortal into following an agreed-upon dogma, which if broken renders the god pact null and void, painfully. Mortals can enter into god pacts with multiple gods at once, though it's considered rare as multiple god pacts weigh terribly on the soul, and following the dogma of multiple gods can be very dangerous. The gift of the god pact represents each god's mastery over their domain. The god of masks is a god of trickery, and those who receive its boon have control over amplifying other people's emotions, allowing for subtle or mass manipulation. Alternatively, the followers of the Path of Thorns can rapidly force plant growth while hardening plant materials to a steel-like consistency. While the most common type of magic are the boons of the God Pact, rituals offer the faithful unable to pass the trials a way to tap into divine energies. Rituals are dangerous and unstable by nature, however, as those who seek to utilize the divine energy have to reach through the multiverse and attempt to mold it from its rawest form. The city to the god of time lies as a monument to hubris as it replays its final day, reliving a failed ritual in a permanent loop. The land of a thousand gods sits in a grand wheel, existing as one of an infinite number of parallel universes. The gods anchor each reality together, though their connection to each universe can be severed through the destruction of their god heart. The barrier between worlds can be remarkably thin in some places, 
and those who step through these gates are often left stranded in a completely alien world to their own. Thousands of universes away from this current one lies the Apotheosis, Devourer of Worlds. Once, the Apotheosis was but a single god, but after learning a way to force divine coalescence between itself and other gods, it soon conquered its home plane. Not satisfied with its home world, the Apotheosis soon discovered a way to send emissaries to neighboring universes and invade. Before long, the Apotheosis had taken over hundreds of universes, with its eyes on many more. It's only a matter of time before this universe starts seeing the emissaries of the Apotheosis. In a more grounded sense, the world of a thousand gods has technology similar to what you would find around 1500s on Earth. The printing press is proving to be a force for change, spreading new and dangerous ideas. Gunpowder is starting to make its impact known as more armies are starting to incorporate cannons alongside those of the God Pact. Furthermore, improvements in sailing has led to the discovery of a brand new continent. The overall feel of the realm should be that of major upheaval, politically, economically, and culturally. This era is one where things are changing at a rapid pace, and people won't shy away from bloodshed to further their beliefs. Inhabiting the world of a thousand gods are a vast panoply of races and ethnic groups. Humans are the predominant racial group and have multiple ethnic groups for each region. The Spriggan are a race of fae who appear as short, goblinoid creatures who can then grow to more than double their size and stature. Each form of Spriggan varies wildly depending on their surroundings. While Spriggans who were born near the sea may have blue skin and take on shark-like features while in their larger form, Spriggans of the mountains may have a gray or rust-colored hue and take on more stone-like appearance while in their larger form. The Quill are a race of tiny insectoids who create a symbiotic relationship with other hosts, offering their wisdom and expertise to a more physically capable body. The Quill have extended lifespans and can easily outlive humans and other mortals, but often choose to die with the host who they grow most attached to. The Ashenborn are people trapped between life and death in a cycle of imperfect reincarnation, a soul that's been shredded by the apotheosis and anchored onto this part of the multiverse. The Ashenborn have to inhabit newly dead bodies and have very little memory of their past lives. Those who do remember their past deeds may seek to correct them, others may to seek what they started, while others still seek to break the endless cycle they're trapped. In the Land of a Thousand Gods, there are currently two known continents, and in the last few episodes we've been focusing on the central region of what we call the Old World. Eight major nation-states inhabit the region, with the northernmost and southernmost areas left currently unexplored in the fiction. The first and oldest is the Caliphate of Feasts and Famines, a warlike nation with the most expansive territory in the region. Many smaller city-states swear fealty to the Great Caliphate. One such city-state is Handassa, home to the god of engineering, loud-spirited debate, and delicious samosas. As other nations grow more advanced and as stronger political alliances form, the Caliphate is starting to lose its grip on some of its territory due to poor management and constant rebellions. While enemies to the north are starting to believe the Caliphate is heading towards complete and total collapse, leaders within understand the fickle nature of fate and are beginning to prepare for an era of famine. Ready to seize upon any weakness within the Caliphate is the Empire of Embers, an expansive monarchy with a long martial tradition that has been the bulwark against the Caliphate's northward aggression for decades. 
Recently, a coup and subsequent inquisition briefly forced the royal family into exile, forcing the normally tactless militants into learning the fine form of negotiation. The royals were able to reclaim their homeland only after being coerced into a divine coalescence between their patron god of flames and the usurper's god of shadows. Thus, the god of embers was born. The Empire tries to keep the Divine Coalescence a secret to the general populace, believing in power of myth of a returning king. One nation-state that would like to smash the myth of every king would be the democratic state of the Path of Thorns. This fledgling nation abhors the exploitation of people and natural resources, espousing the merits of an egalitarian society that lives with nature as a partner rather than a tool. Their message directly threatens the power structure of many of the other nations in the region, and many have labeled them radicals in turn. The message of the Path of Thorns is a popular one, and the nation-state actively seeks to sow rebellion in regions that disagree with their beliefs. Recently, they've liberated a small kingdom formerly ruled by a despotic monarch after a short but bloody war. Normally, absorbing the kingdom wouldn't be a problem, but with the nefarious Sireni Consortium funding bandits and introducing an invasive plant species from the New World, resources are stretched thin and others might see an opportunity to get rid of this thorn in their sides. One nation in particular that would love to see the Path of Thorns fail is the Nation of the God of Foresight, a well-respected nation known for its wisdom, restraint, and economic savvy. The Council of the Wise rules over the nation and ensures peace and stability throughout the region. This, however, is mostly a front as the God of Foresight was overthrown in a bloodless coup by the God of Masks. Now, a shadowy cabal rules from behind the scenes, taking advantage of the god of Foresight's reputation and the ability to manipulate emotions in the hopes of bending the world in their favor. One nation that has the know-how and expertise to fight the god of masks in a shadow war is the Holy Bank of Death. The god Pact of Death grants immortality, and after thousands of years, only a handful remain, ruling over a nation with immense accumulated knowledge and wealth. Relatively small, the Holy Bank is one of the most influential powers in the region, utilizing their vast resources to stop or start conflicts on a whim. The Council of the Undying moves slowly, as their immortality has taught them patience, though it often has more to do with petty slights that are centuries old, but never forgotten. While the Holy Bank of Death trades in gold and knowledge, the land of primordial flesh trades in people. This undulating mass of flesh and bone is essentially a living nation-state that just so happens to occupy an area vital to trade and travel between north and south. Their ability to warp flesh makes them superb healers, but their arts often turn dark, creating horrific monstrosities of conglomerated flesh. Due in part to fear and their relatively docile nature, the nation is left mostly to its own devices. That is, until nations seek passage through their land, and dark, unspeakable bargains must be struck. Finally, and with no clear segue, we have the Council of Law, a nation who worship the gods of records, honor, and contracts. Those worshippers... A nation who worship the gods of records, honor, and contracts, whose worshippers share a close, almost familial bond. The Council of Law were also once guided by the God of Wisdom. However, due to yet unexplored reasons, that God is dead and the nation has struggled in its absence. They're now mostly mercenaries and swords for hire, seeking to reclaim some sense of lost glory, while never forgetting those who have wronged them. And uh, that is just about going to wrap it up for now, folks. There's a lot of other content we've made so far, but I think this is a great place for anyone who's looking for a fairly quick summary of what we've done.
If you want to email me and remind me of something system critical that I've missed or just offer up some cool ideas that we could use in the future, please feel free to email us at worldbuildwithus at gmail.com. I'd like to give a special thanks to Detlef, Asmore, and everyone over on Reddit for their support, input, and feedback. We're really striving to make the podcast and community as strong as possible, and you've been great in helping us achieve that. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with a special spooky episode for Halloween. So until then, remember that we love you very much and uh, take care out there. Until next time.